Welcome to another episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. My name is Aisham Hipsher, and I'm joined by my main dude, Mr. Tanner Santucci. What up, bro? What's up, bro? This is be a good episode. This is going to be an excellent episode. And to anyone who's not watching right now, uh, the gentleman that that I'm gonna, uh, about to announce is someone that you've probably heard of because he's all over the socials. His content is phenomenal, and he is one prolific entrepreneur who does live in the real estate space, but I just can't wait to pick his brain um, about the life of a no-bullshit entrepreneur. So I want to welcome to the show Mr. Abraham Gray. What's up, sir? What's up? What's up? It's good to be here. Happy to have you. Happy to be here. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We're, we're so excited, man. If, if you guys aren't uh, looking right now, I want you to jump on the, on the YouTube and watch this and, and look at all the companies that are behind Abraham. Um, Abraham is a, a an entrepreneur, you know, to say that I don't know if that's a title you you'd call yourself, but that's what I definitely call you. A real entrepreneur, someone who can who can who builds businesses, someone who knows how to attract money um, and knows how to how to generate it. And so I wanted to dive in because Abraham, one of the things uh, that's unique about our show is we don't go into a lot of the tactics, right? There's a lot of wholesaling stuff out there and a lot of real estate stuff um, that are tactic, but me. Uh, or us, excuse me, um, we like to talk mindset, man. We really, really like to talk about the journey of a person and, and, you know, and, and just really understand what makes a person successful, you know? And so, dude, I would, for you, I would love, love, love to understand your origin story. Um, Mindset. Mindset's the most important thing. Like without mindset, nothing else even matters because you can't do anything. So a hundred percent, that's awesome that you touch on that. And yeah, hit, hit me up with any questions. I'll tell you, you know, what I do and I'm happy to tell you, you, you want to, where do you want me to start at? Like, how yeah, let, let's go to, let's go with the origin story. So where, where are you from? What gave you this spirit of, of going out and just kicking ass and doing all this stuff? No fear. So I was born in Miami actually, uh, back in 1975, but, um, I've, I've lived in Georgia most of my life since I was 15. And uh, I'm 47. So, you know, I've lived here 32 years, but I grew up with, you know, my parents, they, they got divorced when I was, you know, one years old or whatever. And I lived with my mom for, for a little while and then ended up moving to my dad for a couple of years. And then basically when I was like 11, 12 years old, I moved, I moved out of both parents' house. I never really got along with my parents and I was always a troublemaker in school. Mm-hmm. And from like 11, 12, all the way through 15, I was in foster family to foster family to foster. And then I went to a boarding school for like a year and a half. And then I went to a few more foster families and it ended up ultimately moving to my grandmother's house and lived, uh, and lived there for, uh, you know, for multiple years until I ended up, you know, getting my own place and everything. So did you uh, have siblings? I never had, my mom never had any more kids. My dad got remarried and had uh, four kids besides me. And, but I'm like 11 years older than them. So the oldest one, I'm 11 years older. And then there's like, you know, I'm 13 years older. (laughs) I never, I never knew them. I never knew them because I was already out of the house by the time they were born, except for the oldest one. The oldest one was a baby. I lived with my dad. He was a baby. And I kind of moved out, you know, before he was one. So I never knew him as more than a baby, really. So 11 to 15, you were in foster homes. What, what, what came next? So I moved, I moved in with my grandmother and that's how I moved to uh, Atlanta. So I, my grandmother lived in Atlanta and I moved to Atlanta um, to live with her. And I, I've been here ever since. Awesome. Um, okay. So when you moved with, with, with your grandma, um, did you get back into school or did you just have to work a job or what was work life for you back then? Yeah. So it's crazy is um, I, I went to school, you know, I, I moved here. I was basically a freshman in high school. So I, I finished high school. I did high school here, but um, I got a job when I was 15. Right when I moved here, I got a job just so I could make some money because I always, you know, just wanted to make money. And I worked at like a grocery store. And that was the only job I ever had in my whole life. I worked there for like a year. But at the same time, I was working at this grocery store. Nobody even knows I worked there because that's the only job I've ever had where I worked for somebody. But um, I, collected sports, I collected sports cards my whole life. And I turned that into um, basically a business when I was 15. So I would sell baseball cards on, on the internet and on the side at some uh, sports card shows. And then on the weekends, 
um, you know, I, I did a little bit of both. I worked at the grocery store in the summer and um, did baseball cards. And I, I ended up toward like, you know, toward the end of when I was 15, starting doing really, really well with baseball cards. And so I, you know, I, I quit the grocery store and basically just went to baseball cards full time. And I started, uh, once I was 16, I was able to start driving. So I, I, you know, I got like a really cheap car. So I was just able to drive and I, I went to the sports car shows and actually started setting up and, you know, buying and selling stuff and just got really, really good at it and better and better. Started making a lot of money. And, uh, that's kind of where it all started where I started making, you know, decent money. What came after sports cards? So, um, back in 1997, um, I, you know, up until 1997, I was like huge into sports cards and 1997, something became really popular called Beanie Babies. And yeah. literally I was setting up at these baseball card shows and these like, you know, middle-aged women would come there and set up with a whole table full of Beanie Babies. I'm like, this is a sports card show. What are people doing with stuffed animals here? And I'd make fun of them. I'd be like, what the hell are they doing here? These crazy, like, this is, a, no one's going to come buy that crap. And then I would see that over, you know, the course of a few months, their tables were busier than my table. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, what in the world's going on? Now I started getting jealous. So I started going to their tables. I started talking to them. I'm like, what, what is this stuff? How do you get it? Where is this stuff? And they started explaining it to me. I'm like, well, shit, that's how you do it. I started to try to figure it out. And then I got into Beanie Babies from there. So there was like a period of like maybe like one or two years where I sold baseball cards and Beanie Babies at the same time. And then I was just making so much on Beanie Babies that it just wasn't even worth messing with baseball cards anymore. So I just totally sold every card I have and never, never did cards ever since then. So since the 1998, I never, I was out of baseball cards for forever. I haven't done any since and was in Beanie Babies for many, many years. So I actually made like my first million dollars in baseball cards. Like by the time I was 19, I, I had like a million dollars saved and, you know, made. And um, my first $10 million was, was off Beanie Babies. I, I made 10, over $10 million in Beanie Babies. So you're saying there's hope because I collect baseball cards. That's one of my hobbies. Is yeah. I if you know if you know what you're doing, you can definitely definitely turn into a business. I mean, right. So from what I understand, because I haven't been in it for a while, but I have friends that are. They made the last two years as real estate was super hot. The last two years, baseball cards were too, and people made a crazy amount of money in baseball cards. But mm -hmm. when real estate, it's funny enough how it all correlates. But when real estate kind of died down a lot over the last five months. So the baseball cards. So people yeah. in the baseball card business, actually most of their cards went down like crazy over the last five years, just like real estate went down like crazy the last five years. Now there's still people that make a lot of money in real estate like me and probably you guys and a bunch of people you know. But I would say most of the people that were making money in real estate, especially wholesalers, I, most of them I know went out of business the last four or five months. And a lot of them are now like had to go get regular jobs. But um, the same thing with baseball cards. A lot of people that were making a ton, now only the best people are, you know, the best people are always going to make money. And even yeah. like the, the decent people. Are, but like for the last two and a half years, like you could be a total idiot and not know what you're doing and just make mistakes and still make money in real estate, you know, because every single month it went up. So if you just screwed up, it was always worth more. But um, so now, now it's getting a little tougher and you have to really know what you're doing. But uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the story. I mean, Beanie Babies were crazy. Well, dude, I mean, it definitely sounds like you're an opportunist, you know, it's not like, 100%. it's not like Beanie Babies were your passion, you know, or maybe not even baseball cards, but you saw an opportunity and so you went for it. Was it, with your intro into the real estate world, was it the same or did you just buy a house, at, you know, for your family and you sold it and you made some money? You're like, oh my God, there's money here. How did the real estate world uh, yeah. come in? So, so when I was 15 is when I really got into into business and I, you know, I made a lot of money all, all through my teens and, you know, in my early twenties. And then, you know, I saw some people, they're like, look, you know, you're making so much money. What are you doing with all the money? I always reinvested it, but they're like, you know what, you should diversify more and get into real estate. And I found, you know, I had a couple of friends that were a little bit older that were making a lot of money, renting houses and, and flipping houses. And they're like, look, you know, let me show you what I do. Maybe, you know, you should be interested in doing that too. So when I was 22, I bought my first house and, mm. uh, I bought it and I, and I moved into it and that was my primary home. But literally within like six months, I bought three more houses to rent out. And this is back when I was 22. So again, this is over 25 years ago. And um, I literally still have some of those homes I bought 25 years ago today. Like I had, I had 30 year mortgages on them. I have five more years left and they're paid off. I never refinanced them. So, um, but I've, I've sold some of, some of this stuff and um yeah, I, I just got into like renting. I was just renting, 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 buying homes and renting them. And then I started fixing, flipping. 
And as I had my businesses, I always did real estate and business all, all simultaneously. So I got really, really good at business and I got really, really good at real estate. And, you know, back then, like Carlton Sheets was like the, the guru of, of real right. estate. So I bought all Carlton Sheets programs back when I was, you know, a teenager in my early 20s. Learned from him. He was a no money down, you know, like the pace warby of, of back then. And I learned a lot from him and I bought stuff using some of his techniques. And um, that's how I got into real estate. Just just really to have passive income because when I was doing all my businesses back then, you know, I worked in them all. I was sweating. I was doing a lot of work and it wasn't really passive. I enjoyed it. I liked sports cards and, but I wanted to have more. So I figured if I bought rental properties over the years and the more I bought, I would just eventually by the time I'm, you know, 40 or 50, you know, just have a crazy money, um, you know, rental portfolio to come in every month without really having to do much. So that was kind of the goal at the time. It, it's kind of, you know, my views changed since then. I still have, I have a few hundred rental properties now, but, um, you know, I, I do it a little bit differently because now, you know, I, I'm at a different level. So I, you know, I, but yeah, that's how it all started. That's how real estate started. And I've never not done real estate, but what I'll tell you is, is that when real estate, so over the last 25 years, since I've been real estate, there's like these highs and lows, you know, like it goes really high then it, then it tanks then it goes really high then it tanks. Any single time it gets really, really hot. I'm like super, super involved. And I spend most of my time on real estate and not as much on business. But then when, when they're kind of leveled off or on the low side, I, I spend a ton of time on business and not as much on real estate. And, and it just goes like that every 10 years. You know, there's a few years I'm really, really hot in real estate. But even when I'm not super hot in real estate, I still do some. I just don't focus most of my time on it. The last two and a half years, most of my time has been on real estate because it's actually the hottest market I've ever seen since I started. It was just crazy. Um, even even like in 2006, seven, you know, five, six, seven, when it was crazy hot. It wasn't as hot as, as, as it was the last two years. Um, I, I was literally buying for the last two and a half years, one house every single day. I bought 30 houses a month and I flipped them all and I probably made around $35,000 a house profit. So, you know, I was making over a million dollars a month in profit just on fixing and flipping homes for the last two and a half years. And then that was just on flipping homes. Then, you know, I bought a lot of creative deals. I bought a lot of rentals. I bought, you know, I do a lot of loans out to people. So I, you know, I had, and of course all my businesses I still have. So, you know, <laughs> the last few years were really, really good. Man, dude, I like I, my, my, the first question that comes to mind is, you know, do, do you sleep? Like, it <laughs> sounds like, you know, yeah. you're, you're just, you're going after it all, all the time. But what I do know is you're a family man, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you've, you've got a wife and uh, how many kids? I have three kids. Three kids. So I have, okay. I have a, uh, I have an 11 year old girl and then I have a 13 and 14 year old boy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dude, like, you know, I, I don't want to ask you the obvious question of how do you do it with kids, but I do want to kind of circle around the, the mindset because I know a lot of people uh, feel guilty or they feel held back by their family when they're not, um, you know, when they're not focused on it because they've got business or they've got other things to tend to. <clears throat> Have you ever dealt with that? All the time. I actually, by the way, guys, I, I made a, so my biggest focus over the last six months and this year is to really go all out into like YouTube videos, social media. Like I want everyone to see like crazy good videos. So like I'm putting out, you guys have watched all my YouTube videos. I'm putting out like lots of cool videos. Like every week I'm putting out two videos. Right. I actually just made a video about what you just asked me that I put out like a couple weeks ago. Um, if, if you want, if everyone should follow this, Abraham Gray, G-R-A-Y, watch the videos. I talked about all my videos are how I made money in business, how I made money in real estate, and how mindset works and how to have a better life, how to build rapport, how just everything. That's what my videos are about. Um, so you asked me, uh, this is uh, the reason why I brought up the video because I just made this video. So you asked me about uh, basically work-life balance. Um, sure. How do I, how do I spend enough time with my family and how do they feel I'm spending a lot of time with them and working a lot and doing all this stuff? How does it all balance together? Right? So basically this is the way, you know, I, I definitely spend, a decent amount of time with my family and um you know obviously everyone thinks they do and then the wives or whatever she, you, know, <laughs> oh, you don't spend enough you know that's pretty right. much how i see it all, all over the place but i made it very simple like me and my wife we get along great like and we've been together for since 1997 we've been together 26 years so wow. we've been together forever wow. um but this is how and we you know we get along great we never have problems you know minor stuff here and there way less than anybody else you'd know, right? Sure. So this is, you know, I use the same things I use in business and real estate in my relationship, you know? It's all about compromise. It's all about having win-win. I figure out what's important to her, figure out what's important to me, and figure out the way to get it. So 
the way I, I did the work-life balance as far as relationship, as far as how much time I spend and how much time I don't spend is I tell, I break it down like this. And if you think about it like this, this is how everyone should break it down to their significant other, right? I say, look, do you want me to spend like, you know, 50 hours a week with you, but like not, you know, but I won't be happy the whole time because, you know, I, I know I need to work some more. I need to do other stuff that, that I enjoy. You want me to spend that much time with you, but me not be like super happy and thrilled and get along with you great the whole time because I have other stuff on mine. Or do you want me to spend 20 hours a week with you? But those 20 hours a week are going to be such quality time because I've done everything else I wanted to do. And this is going to be just focused on you and just, you know, and that's basically the way you put it. Like I can spend more time with you, but we're going to get in arguments because I'm not going to be that happy, you know, the whole time. Or I just spend the, the right amount of time with you that, that, and, you know, we're just going to have the best time. Like I think quality time is more important than quantity time. Absolutely. Well, let me throw this out there and not to be a devil's advocate or anything, but just out of curiosity. So let's say, you know, I know it's kind of hypothetical, but let's say, you know, she opts for the 20, you know, the 20 hours a week of quality time. Um, you've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, are you a, able to shut your phone off and not respond to emails and to really be present in those 20 hours? Or are there times where you kind of have to answer a phone call because there's a fire, you know, something's going on? I mean, so obviously I have my phone with me all the time. I mean, I could look and see if it's an important call or not, but the time that I'm spending is like, you know, we have our date night every Friday night, you know? So Friday night, um, business is over. You know, I, I go after right. business hours. Like who's going to really call you Friday night? You know, it, it doesn't really right. happen that much. So I don't really get business calls Friday night, but you know, if it's something super, super important, yeah, I'll answer it. It's not the end of the world, but like most of the time I won't answer it unless, you know, I know it's super important. And then, you know, Saturday, Sunday, you know, the weekends, you know, so I don't really do that much business on the weekends. I don't get bothered that much on the weekends. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get some calls here and there. Um, but uh, if I'm, if I'm doing something like super important with, yeah, then I won't answer them. But yeah, I'll still answer them on the weekend as long as we're, you know, in, in a time that makes sense to answer it or if, it, or if it's a really important call. But, gotcha. um, you know, she'll have calls. I'll have calls. You know, we're, we're, like we respect each other's time and we also respect each other's like, you know, what you need to do. And, you know, um, we don't want anyone to you know do anything that that's going to, you know, adversely, you know, hurt them if they don't answer the wrong call or do. Right. Like, right. Yeah, you were respectful about it when we do it, you know. Now. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk, especially over the last few years about, you know, just the importance of setting up all these, uh, these routines and whatnot. Are you a morning routine kind of guy? Oh, I hate fucking mornings. I, I actually, <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm a night person. So um, basically, I, I don't even get up until like, uh, my alarm clock get, gets set at 8.45. So I, I get up 8.45, 9 o'clock every day. And um, I'm, I'm, people know not to fucking bother me or call me until 10 because I don't get to the office till 10. I don't want to be bothered until 10. Like I'm miserable. Like I'm always the happiest person. Like you'll never see someone happier, smiling, laughing more than me. Like literally I'm always like that except in the morning. So, <laughs> so I won't even answer the calls because I know I'm going to be grouchy. So, um, but yeah, but after 10 o'clock, I'm good the rest of the day. So, um, you know, I work till like six 30. Then I go to the gym and then I go home, eat, you know, hang out uh, at the house a little bit. And then um, that's pretty much my routine. On the weekends, you know, I, I spend more time with, uh, with the family. We have date nights and different things we do Perfect. with my daughter, sons, and all that stuff. Perfect. So well, when you are working, you know, when you, when you mash the, the button at, at 10 and, and you're on, um, what, what do you determine? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, what, what do you determine you do first? Because you've got a lot of stuff going on. You know, Tanner and I, this is our only business. So it's easy. You know, we, we get up and kind of have our checklist of what we need to do. But for you, how, how do you, how do you handle this with so much going on? Like, what do you, how do you it's, prioritize? It's, it's pretty easy. So, you know, I have a calendar. And everything that um, that I'm supposed to do for the next week is in my calendar, you know, and as stuff, you know, gets added, I, I'll just add it. But I, it's very rare that a, a day will start and I don't know what, what I have planned that day, you know. So, so I have, you know, some closings I go to. I have some meetings. I'll have some podcasts. I'll have some, you know, events I do. And, and those I, I know and, and that's what I'm doing. And then in between that, I'm basically just answering emails, texts and, and you know, Facebook Messenger and Instagram or, or whatever. So – Pretty much I have like on my calendar every day, like three, four things, you know, that I have to do that I'm meeting different people. And then the rest of the day is just, you know, new deals that come through, just kind of working through them. 
What's one of the last, sorry, Tanner, I'm like asking all these questions, <laughs> but what's, what's one of the last things you did that's out of your comfort zone? Everything I do is in my comfort zone. There's nothing I'm uncomfortable with. Like I, I'm, I'm super comfortable with, with just about anything. Um, I mean, like, give me an example of something that you'd be uncomfortable with. Ooh, um, man, I, I'm trying to think in your shoes because that's why I wanted to ask that question. I, I felt like, I feel like you're a kind of guy that'll just attack anything. Well, I'm, I'm at a point, I'm at a point where I don't do anything I don't enjoy doing. I don't do anything I don't feel comfortable doing. I don't do anything that I don't want to do. Like I only do the stuff I want to do. So I just haven't done anything uncomfortable in, in a long time. Just, I don't have to, like, I, I've literally made more money than probably just about anybody, you know, like even like, you know, all, all the gurus and all these different people that they're, they're well, more well-known and they have these great things, but I've made more money. Like I don't have to do like anything. Everything I do when I get up is stuff I enjoy. I love doing this stuff. Like I love talking to people. I love being on these type of events. I love, you know, um, going through questions and answers with people. I love helping people. And I, I love, you know, getting deals and closing on them and negotiating them. You know, that's what I love doing. And that's what I do. And I, I have partners in all my businesses, including real estate, that do the stuff I don't like to do. I don't like, you know, out, you know, being in charge of all these employees. I don't like, you know, um, being in charge of all the rehab. I don't like, you know, doing all the accounting and, and legal stuff all the time. I know how to do it all, but I don't enjoy it. So my partner does all that. So, I mean, literally every night I go to bed, I can't even wait to get up because everything I have on my calendar the next day is stuff I really want to do. Like I was looking forward to talking to you guys. I was looking forward to the meeting I had before you. I was looking forward to closing this deal and, you know, negotiating this crazy, you know, creative deal or, or, you know, whatever deal it is. I, I love that stuff. That's, you know, that's what makes me, you know, makes me happy and makes me want to keep going. And, you know, I see the progress, you know, when you see progress, it, it's fun and it gives you a self of, you know, that you progress. So I, I love that stuff. So I don't, uncomfortable. I don't, there's really nothing. I mean, I just don't do that stuff. I love that. I mean, that, that's, that's inspirational to me because it seems like it, you know, if I could guess, I would say that probably the last time you were uncomfortable was when you're at the grocery store and you're like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. And then from there, from there on, I don't, you just, I, I don't mind going to the grocery store. The grocery store okay. <laughs> well, it just seems like from there on, you just did stuff that you wanted to do, you mm -hmm. know, that you were excited, that you were curious yeah. about. And so there, so, so there was never a moment where you felt like you were rolling the dice and taking a risk and you were uncomfortable. You're just like, look, we'll figure it out. If something happens, we'll just sure. get over it. I know. So here, here's the thing, you know, you're uncomfortable because you're in a problem situation that you can't figure out how to solve. I mean, I love solving problems. Like every single mm. person that has like an issue, they'll call me like, Oh, what would you do? And then I just like in two seconds, I'm like, Oh, this is what I would do. And I give it to them. Like, Holy shit. Like, why didn't I think of that? I don't know why you think that to me. It's just common sense, but like, I love solving these issues. So, I mean, basically if you're uncomfortable, then there's some sort of problem. And, you know, I just figure out how to make myself comfortable. I figure out how to get out of that, you know, make that problem. Uh, go away. Do you think entrepreneurs are born or made or a little bit of both? Uh, definitely a little bit of both. Definitely a little bit of both. I think, you know, for the most part, anyone could do it. But I think, you know, um, some people are not gonna be able to do it as good as other people. But anyone could do it. Um, and you could if you really, really want to get good at it, and you find the right people to hang around and you find the right people to teach you and you find the right people to partner with and mentor you, um, you, you can get super high level. If you're someone who wants to hang around these types of people, but you feel like you have no value to offer, uh, what would you, what would your suggestion be to one of these up and coming entrepreneurs who wants to, un who wants to do exactly what you're saying, but they're like, crap, man, I feel like I got no value to bring. Every single person has value to bring to somebody else. They're, so like, no matter how good off or how smart you are, how wealthy you are, or how, whatever you're doing, there's people that are good at other stuff. Like, I'm really, really good at what I do, but I suck at 90% of the stuff. Like you guys are a million times better than me at the stuff you're good at. It's not even close, right? So you just got to figure out a way to use the stuff that you're good at, that I'm not good at, and use it to, to be able to show me and, and be able to help me with it. Like think about it like this. There, everybody is good at, at, at stuff, right? And if anyone's like, uh, and by the way, I think it's awesome that, you know, Jamil told you to start, you know, your podcast and to start social media. It's really important. But um a lot of people that he's probably told that to or that you've told people to do, you're like, oh, well, I have nothing to offer people. Like, I don't know shit. Like, I'm trying to learn. I don't know anything, right? And there's a lot right. of people out there that think they know nothing. And this is the way that I, I could show them that they know a lot more than they think, right? Um, so so how, how old are you, for instance? Me, I'm 42. 
You're 42. Let's just say somebody came to me that was 42. Let's say they were 30. It doesn't matter. Or 25. It doesn't matter. Um, but I'm going to use you, for example. So let's just say you had bad self-esteem. You thought you weren't good at anything. Um, you would come to me and be like, I can't start a podcast. I can't teach anyone anything because I don't. I, there's nothing. I don't know anything. And then what I'd say is, well, how old are you? You're 42. Okay. Well, when you were 25, um, is there things that you know now that you didn't know when you were 25 or 20 or whatever age, 15, that you would have loved to have told your 25-year-old self or your 20-year-old self? And every single person I've ever said that to is like, holy fuck. Man, I've learned so much over the last five years, 10 years. If I could have known when I was 25, when I know now I'm 42, I would have been 100 times better. Well, shit, there's a million 25-year-olds that were in your position <laughs> that you could help, you know? And let's say you were only 25. Well, when you were 15, you know, what didn't you know now that you know when you're 25? Or any, so no matter what, if you think about how much more you know now that you didn't know then, there's so many people in, in that shoe that didn't know shit at that younger age that you know now. So just think about just think about what you know now that you didn't know then, and that's all the shit you can teach those type of people. Dude, that's, oh God, that's incredible insight. I, so uh, just to be a little selfish, I, this broadcast mic that I'm staring at right now, I bought this thing. It's funny because I saw it on uh, Facebook, you know, memories will pop up. I bought this thing seven years ago and I bought it with the intention of starting a podcast. And I was, it was a whole different podcast that, that I wanted to start. Yeah. Um, but I, I got out of that industry and then I just lingered and something was like, something was always telling me, man, like, get your voice out there. Like you've got a message to share. But for years, I didn't believe, I, I really didn't believe it. I didn't believe in myself. Yeah. So much doubt and insecurity held me back. What are people going to think? What are, you know, what if, you know, I'm not a subject matter expert in anything. I've never done anything consistently my whole life. Life, you know, who am I to, to be behind this mic? And so uh, when it actually came time to start this podcast, I feel like, you know, maybe it's just because I'm at the age I am now, but I felt like, yeah, I may not have anything to offer, let's say, so to speak, in, in, in terms of, of, you know, valuable insight. Um, but what I do have is an innate curiosity. I am so curious about people and I love surrounding myself with with like-minded people, with entrepreneurs, with people that think business, think strategy. And so I'm like, I'm going to, I'm just going to do a podcast where I'm just asking other people about their life and mm -hmm. I won't have to explain anything about mine. That's and so right. that was, that's kind of the birth, but yeah. that's, that's super impactful. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. If you, think, if you think about the stuff that you knew, know now that you didn't know a year ago, how much stuff could you have taught yourself a year ago? It's crazy. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. like literally all these years of, of things that you've learned every single year, it's like if you just thought about it for like, you know, for a few hours and wrote down every single thing you would teach your younger self, you could teach a million things. So, but anyway, that, that's just to put it in perspective for people that, because you said that you talk about mindset and all that. If you think about it that way, everyone should, be, should believe in themselves. So absolutely. absolutely. Um, but yeah, so what, what else, what else you got? Is there, is there a, a criticism or an insult that you've heard about yourself that you actually see as a strength? So no matter what, you're always going to have haters, right? There's always going to be people that, um, that are going to say stuff and, you know, some of it's true. Some of it's, you know, exaggerated. And, but the thing of the matter, the truth of the matter is, is that, um, that, that's, that drives you just to do better. Like, what I see is anyone that really like talks bad about you or hates you is kind of like jealous or they just haven't, they don't know how to get there. And they just, that, that's what makes them happy. Like they're just miserable people. And that's what, you know, it's just, it's crazy. So those are the types of people you don't want to be around because those are the types of people that are going to bring you down. But um, they're typically negative people because a normal person that's not negative will never really think that about people unless you're just really jealous of that person. So, so um, just, you should never be jealous of people. I mean, obviously in Astro, we talk about how we should always collaborate, help our, you know, help everybody and stuff like that. That's what makes everyone better. I mean, literally, that's why I made so much money in, in just over the years. Like instead of like hating on people and trying to you know, bring them down, I just work with them and we figure out ways to make money together, um, you know, collaborate. So um, anyone that, that, that does that type of stuff uh, is pretty much someone that you don't want to be around. Now, there are people that will say stuff, you know, in a good way just to make you better. But I don't think you're talking about that. But yeah, you know, like your friends and your family will be like, look, you know, let me give you some tips of some stuff you could change and get better. Um, but if people are like that, then obviously, yeah, listen to them. If a few people say the same thing, then then change because they're giving you good advice. Right, right. Okay, awesome, dude. What um, In the world of business, uh, let's go specifically real estate. What's one of the greatest lessons that you've learned so far 
that came out of real estate? Man, there's a, there's a lot of lessons. So um, with, with real estate, you've got to be able to, you know, understand the market and you got to be able to comp properties. So I, I think the, the thing that starts with getting someone that's really good and someone that's not really good in real estate is understanding what the values and stuff. So mm. um, in every single business, you got to understand the value of whatever business you're in. So in real estate in particular, if you don't know how to comp a property, how in the world are you ever going to be able to fix and flip? How are you ever going to be able to wholesale? How are you ever going to be able to, you know, buy rentals? How, how can you do anything? So being able to, you know, understand what stuff's worth and, and, and comp or, you know, value stuff is, is super critical in any business because without that, you know, you can't do anything. You can't go any further, right? So that's the beginning. Um, but what I realized also in, in real estate is that networking is crazy important. Like literally, Hmm. Last how do I buy so many properties every single every single month? Well, I put my name out there. Everybody, um, everybody knows who I am. I'm on every single Facebook board. I'm on every single Atlanta, you know, real estate, you know, community. Um, I'm in, you know, in Astro Flipping, Sub Two, <clears throat> a whole bunch of other groups. And um, and then I do deals with so many people, and everyone's like, oh man, this guy just had a, an unbelievable deal with, and nothing went wrong. It was smooth. It was fast. And then you know that word gets around, and that's and that's how I get more and more business. So it all comes down to networking. Being a good person, you have to be a good person. You got to be honest. You got, you know, you can't screw people. And if anything, you got to go the opposite direction. When I do a deal with someone, I want to make sure that they got the better end of the deal all the time. You know, I want them to have fifty-five percent of the plus, and I'll be on forty-five. You know, you always because in the long run, that's going to come back and make you a lot of money because people are want to keep dealing with you, and they're going to come to you first. So I learned that networking, being you know just you know honest and having good rapport with people and and doing everything that you say. You know, that, that takes you a long way. And that, that's, you know, what we've done in real estate. And of course, right. that translates to other businesses right. as well. What's a, what's a question that you, you almost wish more people would ask you that doesn't get asked you enough? Man, I get asked so many questions all the time. Like, I've literally had everything asked. But like, okay. um, the things that I love people asking me is just questions that are going to, you know, if I answer it, it will help them better their life. Like there's so many questions people ask me that like, yeah, I'm happy to tell you, but like that answer is not going to really, you know, help you enough. Right. I like people asking me questions that like, they're going to get something like something so good that they're going to be able to use. I love people asking me questions that they're going to take something from my answer and implement it right away. So those are mm -hmm. the questions that I really, really like because uh, I love when people come to me a few months later, six months later, a year later, like, oh man, I don't know if you remember, but like a year ago, you know, you told me this, this, and this, and I, I changed everything based on that. And oh my God, I, I did so much better. I made this much more money. I'm in a much better relationship. I'm, and th those are the things that are super cool. Gosh, man, that's super powerful. Tanner, jump in here, man. I'm, I'm dominating this conversation. No, no, you're good, man. <laughs> uh, I'm just sitting here soaking all this in. So you're good. No. Um, I, one question I will have for you though is, I mean, what is, what, what do you think it takes to grow a business from a hundred thousand to a million? Like what's the key steps to, to that? Yeah. So, so I do a lot of different strategies to grow from, you know, from a hundred thousand to a million, but um, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Obviously you could, you know, be good at marketing. Uh, you can have, you know, obviously good customer service. What I love to do is I love to buy competitors out and um, instantly grow overnight. So like, that's the fastest way. So I actually made some videos on YouTube on a few different businesses. So I have, I have had hundreds and hundreds of businesses. Like today, right now, I still have like dozens of businesses. And the way I grow a lot of them right now is I'm focused on buying competitors and buying, you know, people that, um, that I could implement their business into mine and, and basically use the same customers. So uh, like recently, I bought uh, a bunch of gyms and, you know, took their members and put it into my gyms. I bought like, uh, I have some trophy stores and engraving stores and I bought other competitors and just combined the customers. And literally that's the fastest way you can literally overnight double your income because if you're buying a company that's similar to yours, um, you know, you know, you have all these extra customers. I could sell their customers, my stuff there, you know, and vice versa. So we can sell them a lot more stuff. Um, we can get rid of a lot of the, the cost of, you know, because now that we're together and stuff like that. So I, it's called a bolt on they're bolt on businesses. It's basically a buying. So I love buying businesses. I don't even own like just right. brand new businesses, as long as they're profitable. There's three things I look for in a business when I buy it. Um, the first thing is it has to be profitable and it has to be um, at least six figures profitable. It, it has to make at least 100000 200000 a year for me to really be interested. There's always exceptions. 
one of the biggest exception is when I'm buying bolt-ons, I don't care necessarily how much they're making because I'm combining theirs into mine. So I can kind of, but if, if it's a standalone business, it has to be making at least six figures. Um, it has to have, uh, these are the three, there's a lot of important things. The three most important is it has to be that profitable. The second thing is it, it has to have management team in place. So people mm. always ask, well, how do you hire all these people? How do you, you know, train all these different people? Well, I, I, I have ways to do it, but when I'm buying a business, I keep everybody, you know, like if I buy a business and there's not a manager in place and our management team in place, that's a deal killer. Like right? even if the business is very profitable, most of the time I won't buy it for that particular reason. Now there are ways I could buy it and get people in that place, but um, you know, it takes a lot of time and you know, time's really valuable because the more time I have to spend, that's the less stuff I could buy, less homes I could buy less. Because I'm the one that like underwrites everything um, finds it, negotiates it. So like, if I have to like now also try to get a whole bunch of people to run it and, and then it's just gonna take a lot of time. I'm gonna lose more money. So, right. so that's my second most important thing. And then my third most important thing is, and this is the same thing in business as it is, is in uh, real estate. I, I only buy stuff from motivated sellers. They have to be motivated sellers. Um, mm. you probably heard that a shitload in real estate, but think <laughs> about it. Like, if they're not motivated, they're going to want full price. They're going to want right. all the money up front. They don't, but like, if they're motivated, then, you know, you could get a good deal on it and you can get great terms. And the terms are most important to me, more important than, than the price, right? There's two things to every deal. There's a price and terms. But when they're motivated, they're going to give you a, a better price and definitely give you better terms. So that's why I always look for. And I look for motivated sellers that have really, really good businesses, right? I look for distressed sellers with very profitable businesses. I don't look for distressed businesses with, you know, whatever sellers. I, they have to be good businesses with distressed sellers, right? A distressed business is a business that's breaking even, losing money. A distressed owner is someone who just wants to get out. And what makes what makes an owner distressed? These are the types of owners I go after, right? Motivated owners. And what, the, you know, there's, there's probably like a dozen to 15 that I go after over and over, but the top four or five are first people that are retiring. If you're about to retire, you only have a couple options. Um, you have either to like hand it over to your kids or someone like that. And most people that I've seen, their kids don't want their business, right? It's not a sexy right. business. It's, it's something, their kids are doing something totally different. So very few people could hand it to their kids. So they're about to retire and they have nobody, you know, to inherit the business. That would be one of one of the major reasons. Uh, another big one, and I bought a lot of businesses like this where people are about to go through a divorce. Um, mm. When people are about to go through a divorce, it's very, very messy to figure out the value of the business. And right. Split it, especially if only like the husband or the wife runs it, the other one has no idea what to do. So divorce, I get a lot of good deals with divorce. And people are so focused on the divorce that they, their mind's not even all clear. They just want to get rid of everything else just to, to make sure that everything, especially if it's a messy divorce. So right. um, people that are about to, you know, that are sick, you know, have something came up and now they're in the hospital or they just can't focus their time on the business because they have you know, medical issues. That, that's a big one. That, that, that's a really big one. I get really good motivated sellers. Um, I had people that like move, right? I had people that like want to move from Atlanta to California. They feel like they can't run the business if they're out of town. Right. They could, but most people don't know how. So moving is, is a big motivation. Um, another really, really big one is, is they might have a business making a million dollars a year, but they have some opportunity to, to go to another business that's making two million a year, but they can't do the two million dollar a year profit business if they're stuck in this one million dollar a year. And, this, and for them, the one million is no good anymore because they have something better, but for someone that's making a half a million, that's incredible. You know what I mean? So they're motivated because basically what it boils down to is they have a better opportunity and it could be a better opportunity to make more money. And I've seen it where they have a better opportunity, maybe not even making more money, but maybe having a better lifestyle. Maybe now they're working, you know, 60 hours a week and they could do something that they're working 30 hours a week, or maybe they could work and they could do something on the beach and that's where they want to be, or they could be in the mountains or they could wherever they want to be. So maybe the opportunity is money or just less work or a better environment. Uh, those are some of the big ones. Um, of course, I could, I could go through and tell you a whole, a whole bunch of others, but you know, I know you only have so much time and you want to go through other stuff. But yeah, that, that's kind of what I look for. Those are the three main things um, I look for. And that's how I grow businesses super fast. But um, again, you know, good customer service, marketing, you know, the stuff that's kind of, you know, you just got to do the right stuff and uh, get your name out there. And, and, and you grow, you know, that's how you grow. 
Now I've, I've heard you say we a couple times, and I don't know if it's you know if if you're just kind of being generous to to you know your entire troop of employees and team or whatnot. Um, but do you have like a core group of people that you work with that helps help you launch all these companies? Yeah. So I say we because less than five percent of the businesses I have I own by myself. Like ninety five percent of the businesses I have partners. A lot of businesses I have one partner, some I have two, some I even have three or four. Um, and every business I have, I have a partner. And, and the reason why is because I could do everything myself. I could, I could run all the businesses myself, but then I'm doing everything. Then I'm doing like the stuff I really enjoy, I, you know, finding the business, growing the business, negotiating, you know, doing the underwriting and all that, which I enjoy. But then I'm going to have to also, you know, operate it. I'm going to have to be in charge of all these employees. I'm going to have to do it. I don't enjoy that stuff. So I find, I find my partners that are really, really good at the operating and they enjoy it, but they hate the, you know, the creative stuff. They hate finding it. They hate negotiating. So, you know, all my partners are opposite than me pretty much in, in most of my businesses. Like, I don't know if you know Pace and Cody, but like Pace is like the one that likes to go out and be creative and, you know, negotiate and talk to sellers and all that. Where Cody, I hate doing that stuff. He wants to be like in front of the computer, you know, doing all the processes, keeping oh, yeah. And you know what? Pace wouldn't be halfway successful as he is without Cody. And right. Cody couldn't do anything without Pace. So, you know, that's what I find. Like, all these people that I work with, you know, they're good at different things I'm good at. And if they weren't there, man, you wouldn't see. I mean, I have 50, 60 different pictures on my wall of different businesses that you would only see five. So is it better to have five and make 100% of the money? Or is it better to have 50 and make 50 or 40% of the money? I make 50 times more money having way more businesses owning part of it. And not only do I make more money, I do only the stuff I enjoy. Like, that's really what matters. So, um, so I always say we, because I always have a partner in almost every business. And besides the partners, I mean, I have really, really good high level employees in most of my businesses and assistants and all this, all this stuff. What are conversations at your dinner table? Like, um, well, if is it with my little 11 year old daughter or is it with my, <laughs> <laughs> with my wife, but no, we just talk about, um, probably normal stuff that that um, a normal family to talk about. We don't really talk about business or real estate hardly at all. We talk about, all right, what are we going to do this weekend? All right, what do you want to eat? Let's go to this place. Let's go to this movie. Let's go to this comedy club. You know, we'll, we'll talk about like normal stuff. Um, you know, how was, uh, how did you, you know, what was your workout at the gym today? What, uh, who are you right. going out with? What friends are you hanging out with? You know, what ball game are you watching? Are you watching the UFC fights? You know, so those, those are the things. And just kind of like how things went for the week with everybody and, you know, just any, anything like that. Man. Oh, that's so phenomenal, dude. I, uh, Tanner, I, I'm sure you maybe have, have a couple questions, but I know we, we should wrap this thing up fairly soon. I, I did want to ask you, um, what, what, like, how do you define success? Easy. That's so that's, that's one of my favorite questions. So I, I define success as happiness. Happiness is, is really all that matters. So people ask me all the time, would you rather have a billion dollars and, you know, not be, you know, very happy? Or would you rather have, you know, $10 and be as happy as possible? And I always take the $10 and be happy as possible because ultimately every single thing in life, like I have this pyramid actually that I made and, it, and basically on the top, on the pinnacle is happiness, right? And every single thing you do in life, you only do it because it's eventually going to make you happy. Like if, if you do anything in life, that's not going to ultimately get you to the happiness. There's no reason to do it. Like that's all you do. Like why do people why do people work in real estate to wholesale or to fix and flip to make money? Because that money is going to lead them to something that they can buy or something they can do. It's ultimately going to make them happy. So really, if you think about anything you do, whether it's going to the gym, going on a diet, and, and watching your weight and getting in shape, you're not doing it because you want to get in shape. You're doing it because you're going to feel better, which is going to make you happy, right? You're not making you're not selling a home because you because you fucking enjoy you know fixing and flipping and looking at it. <laughs> You do it because that's going to make you enough money to be able to do something that's going to make you happy. Why, you know, why do you spend time with, why do you want to have kids? Why do you want to have a pet? It's because you enjoy the time. It's making you happy. So basically any, I don't care what it is. You pick anything in life. Ultimately it's going to lead to the reason why you're doing it is because it's going to lead you to the top, which is going to make you happy. So that, that's, that's what life is about. Amen, brother. Tanner, you got anything in closing? Yeah. I mean, the, I guess one question I would have to ask is, I mean, what's your goal for 2023? Man, my goal this year is to blow up my YouTube and to blow up my social media. Like literally, here's the thing. I literally go to these conferences and I watch, you know, I was just at a conference 
you know, uh, last week. And uh, there was a thousand people in attendance. And I watched the speakers there and I listened to the speakers and the speakers are good, right? I'm nothing, nothing against the speakers, but I could have been on there and literally have rocked the audience a hundred times more than with these speakers. And I could have talked about anything else. They were talking about real estate. They were talking about business. They were talking about, you know, stuff I know about, right? And, you know, there's a few speakers that talk about stuff I don't know about, but whatever. But the, most of it was business. Most of it was real estate. And I listened to them talk. And I know I could literally make the audience um, learn so much more and, and really enjoy what, what I'm saying even more than them. And they were good. But the, why wasn't I on stage? Why were these people on stage? I have way more experience than everyone that was on stage. I, I guarantee you I had more money than everyone put on stage together. Like these are good, you know, these people have some money, but I've been more successful than all of them. But the reason why I wasn't on stage and they were, because they have 200,000, 500,000 followers on YouTube. They have hundreds of thousands of followers on, uh, on YouTube, on Instagram and all these places. The so they're, they're influencers. People know who they are. They're going to sell tickets. Well, not as many people you know, know who I am. Like I just started my YouTube six months ago. I have 7,000 or so subscribers now. Uh, so I, I'm growing like over a thousand a month. Um, Instagram, a few, I just started my Instagram. Like, so I have a few things. I've been on Facebook forever, but that's why I'm not on these stages. So, um, so my, my goal is to get it to where I am like being wanted to be on all these stages. Because first off, I know that I'm gonna teach people you know, at way more and at a higher level. And I could relate and I could break stuff down to the simplest, stupid things. And um, I, I'd love to do that. That's my next thing. I never, ever wanted to be in front of a lot of people and, and, and do that type of stuff until the last couple of years. And I realized um, I've been really successful in business, made a lot of money, but I fucked up really bad by not ever growing my social media. So all these people have been doing YouTube or you know, Instagram for you know, 10 years, seven years, six years, and they just have, they just have a huge head start. And um, so that's my goal. My goal is to now get to them. So that's, I try to go to all these events and hang out with the people that, that have done it, you know, that have hundreds of thousands of subscribers that have a big following because I, I learned from them. You know, I, I see how they did it. I see why people like them. They're all great people. I love them all. Like they're all good. Right. Um, and uh, people want to listen to them because they have a big following. So that, that's, that's my goal. And, and the fact that you're starting this podcast and doing all this, you know, you're going to get there as well. And, you know, hopefully eventually you'll have a crazy amount of, of people watching. The more people that watch, the more people that's going to, you know, you're going to help and the, the more stuff you can do, and it's just going to better, better your life as well. Absolutely, brother. Abraham, dude, thank you so much for, for coming on, man. Um, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm glad to be in your network. I'm glad to have, have connected with you and finally, you know, have a, a great conversation. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to, uh, to just see what you're going to do, especially this year. I know we talked a little bit before we hit the record button about uh, some cool projects that you've yeah. got coming up that you're about to launch. And, you know, you, you crush it in the entertainment space, man. You, you've got Putt Nation, Bury the Hatchet, Max Throwing Business. So I can't wait to see some of this other stuff uh, that, that's rolling out. Yeah, I got a sipping plant up there. That's an arts and craft studio that you can drink at. I got Putt Nation, miniature golf. I've got, uh, you know, lots of gyms. I, I got a lot of entertainment, other entertainment stuff as well. And But I have, you know, oil change places. I have, you name it, I have businesses in every industry. Um, but uh, yeah, entertainment is just the most fun for me now. So I'm, I'm really trying to do more entertainment stuff because I got some really cool concepts that will do well. But yeah, everyone's got to everyone's got to subscribe and watch my videos um, on YouTube, Abraham Gray. And um, man, the more people that watch, the more videos I can make. And I'm going to show you stuff I've done from when I was like a little kid through my teenage years, through my 20s, 30s, 40s. <clears throat> and I make cool videos and I break it down. Like I'll show you how did I buy this million dollar business for no money? How did I, you know, make all this money in, in this? How did I do this? You know, what started it? What you know? So I, I I break all that down and I do it really funny. Like my videos. Absolutely. Um, they're, they're funny. They're interesting. They're not boring. And you know, they're, they're not that long, so they're easy to watch. And your videos are great, dude. They're, they really are. And, and if I can give a plug for, you know, one of the videos I saw recently that you did that, that I really liked because you do stuff differently. You know, I always say, don't be better, be different. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, like you did an awesome interview with your daughter. That was hilarious. Just to hear yeah. the perspective of someone um, you know, who's, who's Abraham Gray's daughter. Like she, it was funny when she said something about, or I think someone said something about being rich and she right. was like, we're rich. Like she, yeah, it was just hilarious. It's like, man, that's great. But you did a, you did a, a reaction video to a Ryan Pineda uh, right. video that he did. 
And what's what I love, here's what I expected. What I expected was you in the video to just say, to just essentially agree to everything Ryan Pineda said, but you didn't, you had differing, um, you know, opinions on things. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is the guy, like, I want to follow more of his stuff. So I'm a subscriber. We're definitely going to link, you know, your YouTube up and all your socials. How can people get in contact with you? If anyone wants to send deals your way or just ask a question. Yeah. So obviously I'm on Facebook all the time. You know, if, if I see that you have mutual friends and you're in the real estate business or other businesses that I do stuff with, I'm, I'm going to friend you. Um, and then we could hit up there. But if you have like real estate deals, particularly, or other types of stuff, email me. My email is Abraham, A-B-R-A-H-A-M at an MMA, like mixed martial arts and an ATL, like Atlanta.com. Abraham at MMA, ATL.com. That's how I, I get all my deals. Um, but on Instagram, it's Abraham Gray Official. There's a fake Abraham Gray Official. My official has two Fs. There's somebody that has a one F. They've been reported a hundred times and they won't take them down. They're trying to sell crypto and stuff. I don't do crypto. So if, <laughs> if I ever text you and ask you to do crypto, it's a scam. Um, but yeah. And then of course on YouTube, you know, um, Abraham Gray and, uh, you know, the videos there, I'm going to keep putting them out. So the reason why I did that Ryan Pineda uh, uh, video was because I actually never heard of him until like six months ago. And I started following him a little bit and I went to his event. So the last event I went to was his event. And anytime I go to somebody's event, I'll try to find some cool videos that they made and just react to them just so I could under- know them better. So I did that like a couple of weeks before I went to his event. And uh, I see. Cody Sanchez spoke at his event and Pace Morby and Jamil Danji spoke at his event. So I did like some just, you know, I did one on Cody Sanchez. Every week I did a different person. But yeah, I broke down what I liked about what they said and what they don't like. And, you know, Ryan's pretty smart. So like most of the stuff he said, I agreed with, but I had a different view, even though I agreed with it and just wanted to like, you know, point out a few things even to take it a little bit further. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, sometimes I, I watch some people's videos and there's a lot of stuff that I don't 100% agree with, but um, I'll point out why, you know. Absolutely. I think that's so important for people because a lot of times we can get tunnel vision by influencers and think that their way is the way, you know, and you look at Pace and Jamil, they have two completely different strategies, yet they're both successful. And so it's just good for other people to see perspective really matters, you know? And so thank you, bro, for, for being unique. Thank you for, for sharing your gift to the world. Thank you for all you do. And thank you for your time on our show. So I appreciate it. Guys. Yeah. Thanks to Jamil. That's how we met. Right. So I, I, I've been lucky enough to meet Jamil and Pace a bunch of times at a bunch of events. They're the coolest fucking people to hang out with and learn from. For real. That's how we met. But yeah, I'm, I'm good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, we will see you on the next episode. Abraham, I look forward to our next uh, meeting on the podcast. Hopefully it'll be six months, a year from now where yeah. we can chop up some pretty crazy stories of what's happened in between now. And then I, I can't wait to hear about what you're, what you're going to be rolling out, but uh, again, brother, thank you for your time. And guys, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. See you later. Thanks. What up, Elite Fan? That's a wrap for today's episode. But look, if you got value out of the show today, do us a huge favor and give us a review or give us a like or subscribe. Do all the things to help us get the word out there. And look, we want to see you on the next show. So get out there and crush it, make it happen. Stay tuned for the next episode. Peace.